Evening, church. <laughs> Who here loves receiving compliments? Anybody? I love receiving compliments. I, I crave for it. It sounds sweet to my ears. I have this, um, I have this thing here, and no, it's not uh, the sweat rag that, you know, what John Gray uses. Um, it, it's actually my favorite shirt. I'll show you what it looks like. So this is my favorite shirt. Now, why is this my favorite shirt? Because every time I wore it, I, was, I lost count of how many times I was complimented in it. You can ask my wife for proof because I always rub it in. I'm like, see, he likes my shirt. She likes my shirt. I love this shirt because I get compliments in it. I remember going to EB Games because I'm a nerd and I was going in to buy some sort of Pokemon game. Uh, you know I'm a huge Pokemon fan. And out of nowhere, one of the workers says, hey man, I like your shirt. And my response was just a smirk and a nod. Thanks, very humble. But inside of me, Inside of me, inside of my head, I was going. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I also remember going to the chiropractor after he cracked my back and as I flip around for him to crack my neck, he says, oh, hey, nice shirt. And again, I smiled, but inside my head, I was going. And I, I just had this little shiver. I'm like, yeah, that's so good. I also then go to the airport because I, I go to the airport quite a bit because of my travels. I'm preaching around. Um, and, and you know, when you get cr across the security guard as they check through your bags and, and sometimes you get selected for them to check if you're a terrorist or not. You know, you know that thing? And so this guy, he swabs me down to see if I have any residue of gunpowder, of explosives on me. And of course, I had none because I'm, I'm good. I'm clean. And so as I walk out of his sight, he said, oh, oh by, by the way, by the way, nice shirt. And again, I was like... <laughs> we can stop the music. I was hoping the music is more in sync, but anyways. <laughs> Don't we all love receiving compliments? We crave for it, don't we? Some of us crave for it from our bosses, from our spouses. I actually crave it a lot from Demi. That's why I'm always trying to be like a peacock and it's like, hey, look at me, Demi. I'm always trying to get her attention so she can compliment me. Some of us... We, we, we want to get complimented by our crushes. I'm like, man, that's why, that's why the boys show off so much. Some of us crave it from our parents, from the, the group of friends that we have. That's why Instagram and Facebook is so popular, because we want compliments. Now, look, I only receive a compliment from complete strangers, and it completely made my day. It uplifted my spirit. It gave me spring in my step. But imagine, church, imagine getting a compliment from God. And you know what? God's not stingy with His loving words towards you. You just need to pick up your Bible and you see 
tons and tons of love letters to a father, to his kids. And he screams out in the Bible throughout, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then when we get to the New Testament, he sends his only son to be, his, the word became flesh and he lived as a man. And, and on that cross, as he died, it yells out, I love you. So church, if you want to feel encouraged tonight, if you want to find value or self-worth in yourself, look no further, pick up your Bibles. And if you want to do well in life, if you want to live a holy life, spiritual life in step and in tune with God, if you want to stand strong in adversity, it is impossible. It is impossible if you do not pick up your Bible and cling on to every word that it says. And so if you do have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We'll be going through Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. So if you have your Bibles, flip it. If you have your iPhones, click it. Or you can use your eyelids. It's on the screen. But before I talk about Joshua chapter 1, let me give you a little context. Because the last time I was up here, I was speaking about the 12 spies. So what happened is the, the nation of Israel, they go towards the edge of the promised land and they send 12 spies, but 10 comes back and say, nah, we can't do this. They're too strong. They're giants. They're, they're huge. We're going to get wrecked. But only two, Joshua and Caleb came back to the community and with the words of Rob Snyder, they said, you can do it. But the whole community thought they were crazy. And so they didn't listen to them. And in the end, the people of Israel, they pretty much disobeyed God. And what happened, the consequences of that was they wander around the desert for 40 years. And here we are. They are back after 40 years. They are back at this very promised land. Are they going to take it or not? Are they going to chicken out like they did in the past? Or are they going to move towards it? We'll find out after we pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we have your word with us. We thank you that we live in a country where we can freely open your word. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be here to teach us, to, to, to show us things that we don't see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church, travel back in time with me to this scene. As the camera zooms in on this one particular man, he's the guy with a lump on his throat. He's the guy with beads of sweat building on his forehead and dropping down his brow. He's the guy with his pulse racing and his chest is pounding. He's the guy that after the closing ceremony of Moses' funeral, Three million people turns towards him. All eyes are on him. And in a tangible way, the weight of all that responsibility is upon his shoulders. This is none other than Joshua. He's one of the 12 spies. He's not as young as he used to be because after 40 years, he's around 68 to 78 years old, give and take now. Now, why is Joshua feeling this way? Because Moses, their great fearless leader, whom 
when their people were still slaved and oppressed, he went and stood in front of Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And he leads his people outside of Egypt. He leads them through the Red Sea to safety, to the promised land. Didn't really get into the promised land, but he looked after them for 40 years. Now he's been leading them for 40 years, but now he's dead. He's gone. And where Joshua finds himself is at the very edge of the promised land again. Now it's his call. It's his turn. Now talk about big shoes to fill. A hard axe to follow. Knowing full well that he has to lead a nation across the Jordan River with the army force, a fighting force of ex-brick makers to take over land that is currently occupied with seasoned armies, veterans, enemies that were huge, big and strong like giants. They had better weaponry and armory than they did. They were even hunkered down and fortified in cities and forts, strategic locations. Now in Star Wars, we will call this the high ground. But before Joshua was consumed by despair, he hears a word from God. Verse 2, join with me. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I have promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great rivers, the Euphrates, all the Hittite countries to all the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one, no one will stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Joshua, be strong and courageous because I will lead you and these people to inherit a land that I promise their ancestors. That's what God said. Now, why did I describe a scene before where Joshua was so timid and afraid and scared? Because if you read in this passage multiple times, God calls Joshua to courage. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Chances are this Joshua, he's freaking out. Why? Because he knows that he's been called by God to a certain location and that location is a danger zone. Full of dangers. Maybe like us today, we know that we have a great God. But at the same time, sometimes he calls us to go to places and we know that those places is going to be rough and it's going to be tough. It's not going to be all rainbows and butterflies. It's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be smooth sailing. It's not going to be like a skip and a hop on a yellow brick road. And let me ask you, where, has, where have you feel God send you in your life? For Joshua, this was the land of Canaan. Where's your location? Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's in your school, your uni. Maybe it's in your workplace. And let me tell you, when you get there, they're not going to hold up banners and say, welcome, there's going to be champagnes and snacks. No, no, most likely they're going to attack you. 
Why? Because God does not call us to be in a spiritual playground. No, He calls us to be in a spiritual battleground. There is warfare that's going to happen. And let's get to reality. It's going to get crazy from here on out. Because God calls us to those places and He calls us to take courage. And how would you know if you're in the right place? It's often when you get shot at, that's when you know. So don't run away. Stand firm. Take courage. But how so? God calls Joshua to take over the promised land. But what we see in this passage that he knows, God knows that it's not going to be easy for Joshua. But if you study every single calling of every major character in the Bible, you will see this sort of pattern. As God calls his servants, there's usually attached a promise. The promise of the assurance of God's very presence. You get that? With every calling, there is a promise of God's presence. Because when God calls you to do something, He never calls you to do something apart from Himself. He does not call you to do something. Hey, here's your assignment. Off you go, little slugger. You're on your own. No, He doesn't do that. He doesn't leave you high and dry. He's with you. Joshua, no one can stand against you. Why? Because I got you. And you know what's awesome when God calls us to courage It comes from above, not really inside us. It's not something that we conjure in ourselves where we we don't feel any fear anymore or any despair or any dismay or any negative feelings. And, And Joshua here in this context has all the reasons to feel all those negative feelings. Why? Because the land that he's about to take, he knows there's a city called Jericho. And Jericho was... The undefeated city, the unconquerable, that didn't make sense. It can't be conquered, whatever you call that. Inconquerable. Is that, is that a word? Yeah, that's a word. Okay, it's a word now. It is fortified. It hasn't, no one has ever taken over it before. It had huge wars. He had every right to feel fearful and scared. But here's the beautiful thing. When God gives his command to take courage, he encourages us with a promise. The promise of himself. The promise of his very presence. So church, have you experienced that through stages of your life? Maybe you're in a season now where you get to a place and you have no idea what you're doing. You just feel so overwhelmed. Everything seems foggy and you, and, and you feel that you lack experience. You feel like this is too much. And you have, again, no idea what you're doing. I'm in this season. It's called parenthood. Maybe some of you are going towards parenthood because As I look at Oikos Church, there's so many babies and there's so many babies to come. It's like we're in mating season or something, but but that's a good thing because a healthy church is a breeding church. (laughs) It's true. It's a fact. (laughs) And so when I held my little daughter Ariel 
for the first time, as I looked at her, I thought to myself, I made this. I mean, I helped made this. <laughs> and it was fun. But, but man, this is a real human being. How is it even going to live? How is it even going to survive? I had no idea. I didn't know what I was doing. But thank God and Demi, she's now 10 and a half months and still breathing. No thanks to the Father. It's, it's, it's God and, and really Demi. I had no idea. I still don't know what I'm doing. Are you in that season? Maybe for you, that season is becoming single again. Maybe it's entering a new job. Maybe it's losing a job. All those situations take courage. But the assurance that we have is through our highest of mountaintops, through our lowest of valleys, God is there. Church, let us take courage, which is not in here, but it's out there. Stop looking internally, but look up to God who is eternal. Let Him be the source of your courage. And for us, the location that we're called to. For Joshua, it was the land of Canaan. We know that. But for us who now all living in the New Testament, the New Covenant, Jesus tells us to go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that He has commanded them. And you know what? He doesn't leave us to do this alone. He says, there's a promise with this because he says, surely I will be with you to the very end of age. I will be with you. So I don't know recently if you have been feeling a stirring in your soul, in your heart, you know that you have to share the gospel to this family member, this friend or this work colleague. Remember this, you are not doing it alone. Jesus Christ, your Lord is with you. He's with you. So take courage. Now let's get back to Joshua. And because I am such a curious being and I, when I study the Word of God, I like to put myself into the character's shoes and I'm just wondering, okay, if I was Joshua, what would be going through the back of his mind? What would he be thinking in this situation? Because if it was really me in that situation, I'd be like, cool, I get the presence of God, but do I also get a present from God? Do I, what else do I get? Because I'm thinking back to my mentor, Moses. He received a staff that when he threw on the ground, it became a snake and that staff could eat other snakes. And when he picked it up, always by the tail, never by the head, because if he picks it up by the head, he's crazy. So he always picks it up by the tail. And when he picks it up, it becomes a stick again. And it's this very same staff that he used to split open the Red Sea. And it's also this very staff that used to draw out water from rocks, from a rock. Talk about one awesome, cool, divine tool for assistance. And remember, Joshua, he's a military man. And he knows that he has to lead his nation across the Jordan River, which is quite a big river, and to fight battles. And again, if I was Joshua, I would be hoping I'll get some sort of present from God. 
man, God, are you going to give me a magic carpet or something? Like to cross over to the Jordan River safely and see a whole new world? God, are you going to, I hope that you're going to give me some type of sword that it looks like a torch, but when I press it, the blade comes out and the blade is so sharp and it's, and it's shining. And whenever I swing it, it goes, that'd be awesome. I'll be hoping that God will say to one of these angels, like how King T'Challa, Black Panther, says to his subjects, evacuate the city. Engage all their defenses and get this man a shield. A shield made out of vibranium. How awesome would that be? And in my mind, I'm thinking Captain Vietnam. Only Captain Vietnam can beat America. I'm just, just kidding. Woo. Let's get rid of that picture. It's, it's kind of racist. <laughs> for the Vietnamese in the house. But look at what God gives Joshua. Verses seven and eight, God says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law that my servant Moses give you, gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of laws always on your lips. Meditate on it night, day and night so that you may be careful to do everything, to do everything, not some stuff, but everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. So church, what did Joshua receive? What did Joshua get? What sort? He got the presence of God, but what was the presence of God? What was it? A book. A book. Again, if this was me, and I'm kind of an idiot, and I speak before I think, I'd be like, hey, Big G, Moses got a staff. Are you going to, can you at least give me like an arrow or something that when I let it fly, it would hit multiple enemies, and with a whistle, it comes back to me? (laughs) Or at least give me some armor, like shining armor, like Iron Man or something. Or at least give me a compass that doesn't point north, but it actually points to the things that I desire most in the world. Jack Sparrow's compass to guide me or something. Obviously, I watch too many movies. (laughs) But isn't it true that when we do watch these sorts of movies and when we see these legendary magic tools or, or objects, don't we wish we had something similar? To, to help us and assist us to face whatever we are facing? Don't we all wish that? But you know what God says? I'll tell you what God says. No. My word is enough. My word is all you need. It is your weapon. It is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the attitude of the heart. The Bible, it is the armor of God that you should wear. It is your shield that defends you. It is your ammunition that you use against the enemy. The Bible, it is your sustenance. It is your nourishment for your souls. So man, do not live on bread alone. It is your compass that guides you in life, your spiritual GPS, if you will. It is the lamp upon your feet, a light for your path. 
It is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that all my sermons be thoroughly equipped for every good works. It is the mirror in which you should use to view yourself. My word endures forever. It is truth. It is powerful. It will never come back to me void. It will accomplish of what it's set out to do. My words, Joshua, my words, Joshua, that's all you need. That's all you need. Moses didn't have my word, but you do. We have the word of God, church. We have the Bible. To use and to help us with whatever we're facing in life. I don't know what you are going through. Maybe you're going through some sort of depression, anxiety. You just feel discouraged. Where can you find encouragement? The Word of God. When are you feeling terrified? When you feel unsafe? You know what reminds me that I'm still within God's embrace? The Word of God. When you don't feel loved, where can you start feeling love again? Again, the Word of God. So church, immerse yourself into this book. Love it, hunger for it, keep thinking about it, have passion and zeal for it. Keep it in your system. Meditate on it day and night so that you might do everything that is written in it. And notice that success is closely tied to your relationship with the truth. This book, this book, Joshua, don't let it depart away from your mouth and your lips. In other words, it means proclaim it, speak it. God knows that Joshua has to lead three million people who has a bad track record of just complaining and whinging all the time. So you know what God gave Joshua to lead his people? The Word of God. So this is my job as your pastor. I'm not leading you through some things that I conjure up and, and, and I'm looking at enterprises to, to try to, to lead the church. No, no, no. You know what? Do you know how I want to lead you guys? With the Word of God. The Word of God. Speak it. In our day and age, in our society, in our culture, they don't need more self-help, motivational, inspirational type of TED Talks. They need to hear the Word. They need to hear the truth, in particularly the Gospel. That God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Church, do you cherish your Bible? Do you cherish the Word of God? Last week we had Pastor Rick Cornish who came and, and preached to us and it was awesome. Now he's a Bible teacher and, and last week as I had dinner with him, he, he told me that he, he goes to China around, 30, around 32 to 36 times in the past to teach the Word of God to his students. But now he knows, he knows that he's not, he shouldn't go back to China anymore. Why? It's not so much for his sake, it's so much for his students' sakes because he knows that if he gets caught, he'll just get deported. But for them, they'll get put in jail. Now, a lot of missionaries who come back from China will tell you exactly the same thing, what's happening there. 
Now, I have a little short video to show you of a pastor by the name of Wayne who, who took a trip to China. So let's, let's just watch this video. Let me finish with this uh, story. We go to China from time to time and, and uh, uh, we train leaders. And this time we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in and when you teach in China, you start at eight in the morning and you don't get done till five at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. And I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway. And as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh, yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize so many chapters? She said, in prison. <laughs> she said, you have much time in prison. <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? She said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper, and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh, yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. And you guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. 
In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. I'm concerned because the amount of Bible illiteracy within our circles, it's appalling. Oikos Church, what is the condition of your Bible? Is it collecting dust? Or you don't even know where it is. But you can say, oh, Dexter, it's in my phone. But do you read it? Do you read it? Maybe you don't want to read it because it review, reveals the hidden sin within your life. For one sloth, laziness. It's not like you can't find time to read your Bible. It's just you can't be stuffed. Maybe it reveals lust in your life. The pornography websites that you visit. Maybe it reveals wrath. That you have so much anger within you that you just explode here and there and you hold grudges and you find it hard to forgive. Maybe it's greed. Maybe you don't give back to the Lord what is His and you don't live a generous life. Maybe it's pride or envy, whatever it is. D.L. Moody says this, the Bible, the Bible will keep you away from your sins or your sins will keep you away from the Bible. Don't let your sins keep you away from this book. This, it's so precious. I'm not here up here to condemn any of you. I just don't want any of you to miss out. Because Oikos Church, we're going to go forward. We're going to move into the promised land that God gives us. It's, I'm, I'm going to take hold of those promises. I'm going to believe that God is with us. But look, our success of our mission is closely tied to the truth. I need you as a whole church to start loving and digging into the Word of God. Only then would our church look fearless and bold, audacious. Only then we can really be courageous and strong because a biblical church is a strong and courageous church. So let me finish the sermon with verse 9, which really is the whole summary. God says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God bless you, church.